Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are and whenever you're listening. It's good to have you here on our Generation Podcast. Welcome to our latest edition. This, as you know, is a podcast about mission, about church life. And as we say, it's with a Scottish accent. But my guests today do not have a Scottish accent, although I am detecting an increasing Scottishness, a Scottish brogue coming through in their accent. So my guests today are Elijah and Jesse Brooke. Welcome. (laughs) David, thanks for having us. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah, very excited to be a part of it. Excellent. It's a pleasure. Let me just tell the good folk out there who you are. Uh, Elijah and Jesse are working with Cornerstone, which is a church plan here in Edinburgh. And they're also working with AT3. Now, I imagine that most of you have no clue what AT3 is. But by the end of this podcast, you will. Guys, Elijah, let's start with you. Just tell us your story, uh, where you're from, how did you two guys meet? Yeah, so I am from a place in the United States called Ohio, the great state of Ohio. Um, (laughs) I was raised outside of the city of Cleveland, about half an hour away. Um, Until we had moved to Scotland, I lived there my whole life. Born into a wonderful home with wonderful parents, have a younger brother, and raised in the church. Um, my parents are very faithful. They're very um, dedicated to Christ, this church, and their faith, and they raised us like that. So being raised in a Christian home um, from a very early age, um, doing family devotions together from Scripture, being taught how to read the Bible, how to study the Bible, um, my parents felt that that was very important, and I think they were right. And I owe a lot of what I've learned and what I've come to understand about the Scripture and about faith from them. So I'm very grateful for them. Okay, can I ask you, I'm just going to butt in here, that do you think that's an advantage or a disadvantage in ministry in the sake of Scotland, having been brought up in an evangelical house in Ohio? That's a great question. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. To be honest, um, in one sense, it could be a disadvantage in the sense that that is my life, my world. Church has been a huge part of my world. And when that's the case, especially in the United States where, you know, there's so many people that are like you. I mean, I even went to Christian school, which is, I know, a foreign concept for a lot of people in Scotland and in the UK. You don't really have that, but the broader evangelical world makes up most of your life and most of your experience. And so then having to exist outside of that world takes some effort. Mm -hmm. And so coming to Scotland, to secular Scotland and having to learn and adjust to where, you know, the majority of my existence and my culture isn't the norm and having to adjust to that. uh, It's okay. Has your worldview ever been challenged and sometimes maybe even shattered? Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I can even going to university was a challenging experience. It's a Christian university, but from a different theological tradition that I had grown up in. And then, you know, even going to a Christian university in America doesn't guarantee that everybody's a Christian. And so whether it's through athletics or social life, I have a lot of 
things challenged, a lot of things shattered, even to the point where it's, have I, what I have been taught my whole life, is it real? Is it true? And so definitely moments of uh, frustration, even moments of doubt, moments of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's helped a lot, but yeah. Okay, that's good. I mean, this, this is our first. This is our first ever couple podcast. So, <laughs> Jesse, can, can you tell us? Sorry, where are you from? Are you Ohio? Were you raised in that evangelical bubble as well? Um, no, no to both. I was raised um, in a different state called Michigan, which is um, a little bit to the side and above Ohio, so not far and the vast um, country of America, but. Um, definitely different. Um, and I was not necessarily raised in the evangelical bubble. Um, my family would call themselves Christians, but in America and I'm sure at one point in Scotland in, in the trend on how Christianity has raised been raised and has fallen and all that um there's a very much a cultural christianity where um christianity in the church are very much in tune with the culture but that also equates to if i'm a good person if i'm a morally good person that equates that i'm a christian and there is no relationship with the Lord and I would say that's what I grew up in my mom grew up in the church and my dad grew up Catholic Um, and when they got married those two worlds collide collided and and we grew up knowing God was real and we went to like church camps in the summer and so it's not that we were educated but um, it was not a big conversation in our house, but we were raised on those morals, but never a relationship with the Lord or... Um, okay, so uh, how, how did that change in your life? Yeah, I... So when I came to Christ and accepted Him as my Savior and started learning about what it looks like to be... Um, a follower and a believer and actually developing that relationship with God and learning about him. Um, I was in high school, so I was, I think, roughly 16. And it was a process of there was a lot going on in our family um, and a lot of heartache taking place. I'm the oldest of five kids, so um, that also... Puts a well, how did you hear the gospel? How did you hear about Jesus and the need to be born again? Yeah, I was. It was in my. I was on a sports team. I was playing basketball, and there were girls on my sports team during that time who um, saw what was taking place in our family and kind of came alongside me and invited me to their Bible study. At the time, I had really new concept. I thought it was just a group of girls getting together. And it was that friendship and community that kept me going back. And then that's how I heard the gospel was in that time. And Elijah, how, I mean, did you have that kind of dramatic 
conversion experience, uh, whether it was either instant or over a few weeks or months, or again, was it from birth, this gradual growing into to faith as a, as a covenant child? Yeah, I think it was, it was definitely the, uh, the gradual um, yeah. option you gave. You know, it's always been a part of my life and knowing not only that God existed, but, you know, the God of the Bible, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit was always a was always present was always there but definitely that gradual um, awakening if you will of his love for me but then also the severity of my sin and the fact that he still loved me and his grace and all those things so it was definitely less uh, dramatic great now everybody loves a love story even us cynical <laughs> scots can so can you tell us how you both met <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's actually two different stories to how this happened. Can um, I, I'll tell mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we met our first year of university. Um, that's where we met. We were both on sports teams and university. So Elijah played baseball and I played softball, which is the girl version of baseball. And we kind of ran in the same athletic circle and eventually those two worlds collided as I had some classes with Elijah's teammates. And um, there is this thing called Midnight Breakfast at our university where um, the week before, or the week of uh, your final exams, they, the staff, it's a small university, so the staff um, comes together and cooks you a breakfast at midnight to kind of celebrate that the semester is basically over and this was in December, so it's like a big Christmas party. There's lots of Christmas music playing and prizes being raffled off and things like that. It's a big party. And our groups ended up going out at the same time, and we were all together. And what caught my attention about Elijah is he was standing on one of the tables dancing to one of these Christmas songs. Okay. <laughs> I, he got my attention. Tension. I thought this guy's pretty fun. I want to get to know him, and you were kind, and so it kind of just took off from there. <laughs> okay, now let's let's move on to the dancing queen. What's your side of the story? <laughs> My side of the story is that I didn't want to go to this thing by myself. Um, you know been at this school for three months and I'm not doing anything by myself. So I went down to some of my, uh, to the dorm room where a couple of my friends were and um, just seeing if they were going and if they want to go with me. And Jesse was in there studying with one of them. And I thought, Oh, she's pretty. I'll stay. I'll hang out. So we actually met the first time that night. And then it's true. The whole uh, dancing thing did happen. <laughs> um, but whereas Jesse was intrigued, I went back to, uh, my room that night, and as I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep, I was like, man, I blew it. I'm never, ever going to see her again. <laughs> but apparently, that was attractive to her. <laughs> Good. Okay, now, m moving on, I mean, the American dream is that you go to college, you get a degree, you make lots of money, and you really move on. Money, money, money. Show me the money. You two guys met, you married, and you feel God's call in your life into Christian service. Um, how can you explain that the American dream for you is different to that of the average American? 
Yeah. It's, there's this interesting thing that's happened with um, the church in America, where I think a lot of times the American dream creeps in to what we think is Christianity and becomes part of it. And so for us, the American dream isn't necessarily life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, our American dream, even if you can call it an American dream, is we want to serve Christ in his church. And that uh, doesn't know nation, ethnicity, language, or geographical boundaries. And we just want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see Christ church grow. We want to serve the church. We want to help people grow in faith and grow in trust in the Lord and grow together in doing that. And I think that's, what's most important for us, especially Mm -hmm. when we see a church that, um, you know, has adopted some of those quote unquote American ideals and meshed it with Christianity. And a lot of ways, those things don't go together. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is just, what the Lord does on your heart of Elijah studied theology in college and I studied social work. So even from the beginning, the Lord has laid on our hearts of we want to be serving people and we love being around people and love relationships. And that started from very early ages. You know, that is part of how we were, God created us and over the course of time, you know, his plan is just unveiled mm-hmm. and um, he's the one who really turned our eyes to that, you know, coming to Scotland and serving in this way, serving the church in this way, it was never on our radar until we came in contact with AT3 and from there, it's just uh, exploded mm-hmm. in our hearts, if you will, of the Lord's really moving us in that way. Yeah, can, can I ask, before you were married, did you guys talk about a ministry trajectory? Was that yeah. kind of part of the prenup? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we talked about it. So the whole time we were dating, Elijah, his summer jobs were always ministry related. So you went all over the States yeah. um, for different internships or apprenticeships. <clears throat> But it wasn't until our first year of marriage where you actually took a residency at a local church. And um, I thought, I think before we got married, we didn't think that we'd be in the local church. We thought we'd be in um, different missions that are separate, but related. Yeah. So we knew it was always in the picture. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about AT3? What is it? Yeah. So AT3, it stands for the Alliance for Transatlantic Theological Training. So quite a mouthful, which is why we call it AT3 for short. And what it is, is it's um, a partnership. It's a training program. And we have a few different um programs you can choose from. So Elijah and I um, were part of the two-year apprenticeship that AT3 holds, which is um, you come over to the UK for two years. And the partnership part comes in there because there's been over, you know, 
hundreds of years, there's been a relationship between America and the UK church. And um, so we want to keep building on that. But also the UK, as you know, is a much more secular culture than America. But America is moving in that direction. So what better partnership than to learn together on these things? So the two-year apprenticeship is um, either a couple like us or individuals come over and you're here in the UK for two years. You get placed in a church um, and you are an apprentice in that church. So you're learning practical ministry by being on the ground, serving the church but you're also going to school. So Elijah is going to get his master's in theology at um, Union in this Union in Wales, and he will finish that in two years. And I'm doing uh, BC UK, which is Biblical Counseling UK. So you get both sides of the training, the actual on the ground, face to face in ministry, but also the education of knowledge, you know, that knowledge and growing. This also helps with the local church in the UK because we want to be very careful that it's not America comes in and tries to save the day. That's not helpful to anybody. And so it's also an opportunity for churches to partner with AT3. And if they choose to partner with AT3, part of it is you get an apprentice for two years, but that gives you some extra space to start focusing on um, younger guys or girls in your church to start raising up for ministry. Um, so that's the two-year apprenticeship. And at the end of it, you could either end up staying in the UK or you can come back to America and you're better equipped to do local church ministry in a secular culture. Great. So um, as, a, as a couple, I mean, is AT3, has it been a good fit for you guys? And if so, in what way? Oh, absolutely. Um, we love AT3. We love what it has to offer. So our first year of marriage, we had uh, spent time at a local church in Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, you're looking at, the options of what's next after a year. And at that point, we're both 23. We're both really young. And so a lot of churches in America won't hire us for a majority of positions because of our youth. But then also, we also don't have a seminary degree. And that's what a lot of churches here desire as well. And so it was find a church ministry job, which they're few and far between, or go to seminary, which in America takes a very long time and costs a lot of money. And here came AT3. We discovered them and we're like, oh, you can do both. And oh, you can do it in this really unique environment uh, in the United Kingdom, something that is foreign to us in just general and culture, but also um, the status of church in the culture. And it's been such a great fit to, uh, uh, for us. We love the experiences that we've had. We love living in Scotland. We love you guys. We love Cornerstone. And it's just been such a great fit to us. And we will tell anybody who is in our shoes that they should at least look at it. Yeah, it's a great experience in the sense of you, you know, you can't actually, it's hard to see your own culture if you've never been away from it. Yeah. And I think stepping into a different culture opens your eyes to a lot of things. 
it humbles you, it grows you, it stretches you a lot. And that challenge is, you know, the Lord is growing you and drawing you to him. And um, I think we have learned some amazing things that we wouldn't have yeah, yeah. We, we we had an American working with us once, and I remember week one, he said this amazing thing. He said, you only get the truth in Fox News. If you want to see life as it is, that's where you get it. You know, and, you know, I, I guess someone would maybe say the same about CNN, but that's, <laughs> you know, life is not real. What, what's the difference that you guys have seen between the USA and Scotland we both speak English, kind of, and we kind of look the same. But, well, I mean, the differences are there. Tell us what you think they are, especially in the church and in the wider culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wider culture-wise, um, America is very driven by success and immediacy mm. and um, puts a it puts a high strain on you. I think when we came, when the time we've been back, back in the States, it was slightly overwhelming at first of how everything is supposed to happen so fast. And right now, and our experience in Scotland is that's not the case. It's much more laid back, um, patient. Um, and it's honestly something we like. <laughs> that's very attractive to us, but it not as driven by those things and more go with the flow. And I think that creeps into, it definitely creeps into church in a way. I can think of, you know, again, going back to this growing up in the evangelical bubble, if you will, that if you were to tell someone, a friend, for instance, about Jesus and evangelize to them, and they didn't become a Christian on the spot, there's almost like this frustration, like, well, how didn't they do it? I hit all the steps I did said the right things. I told them the right thing. How did they not do it? And this is driven by immediacy and the results that is so frustrating. And I think in a lot of um, American church culture, evangelism, for instance, has been boiled down to results rather than patience and relationship mm-hmm. and, you know, walking this long road of life together. Um, so that's one thing that I think, at least I noticed that something that was very uh, transformative and helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jesse, what, what were your impressions? Yeah, I think in the UK, at least in our, in Scotland specifically, because that's where we are, is the, especially in the church, you have to start with a relationship which I love that part. I think there's no um, understanding of what Christianity is because there is not that cultural Christianity that exists right now. Uh, I think in America, we can just assume that people know who Jesus is, know what the church is. Know, and, and honestly, right now, there's probably... For those who aren't Christians, there's more of a bad view of the church than there is a good view, right? And they, it's a lot of, I think I know, or it's been explained to me differently, or 
you know, things like that. And I think we don't always start with the relationship part. We just spit facts at people um, or have a debate or a discussion where one thing I've loved learning that at first was a challenge of you can't use this Christianese language because nobody knows what it is. And I think that's really helpful. You have to explain everything that you're saying and make it simple, which is actually what it is. You know, the gospel is simple and it's a beautiful thing to be explained. And sometimes I think in the American culture, we can overcomplicate it. Um, And we don't start at the heart of it, which is the relationship with others. Um, I think that's one of the big differences that I noticed right away. That's great. Now, you guys are in your mid-twenties. You're less than half my age. Um, (laughs) So I'm so out of touch. So fill me in. What are the big issues that you guys uh, would say are facing your age group in, in Scotland just now? You, you to just to fill folk in, Jesse and Elijah have already worked uh, in Scotland for one year, and they're back in the states for visa reasons for another year. And God willing, they'll be back. So that's filling in the background. Tell us then what you think the main issues are. Yeah, you know, you saying that is we're obviously still <laughs> learning a lot um, on both sides of it, but. I think what's facing our age group a lot right now, Elijah and I have actually been talking about this a lot in the past few weeks and past year or two, is a lot of it is around the sense of belonging, of not knowing where we're supposed to belong or where we belong or there's so many options out there. Um, A lot of it too is we've we've kind of narrowed it down to three big things that we look at is that belonging it's that distraction so that's a lot of the social media going on and how do you make sense of it and being bombarded by all these outlets the news all the time things like that um and trying to sort that but also um it's the topic of sexuality and how do we how do we interact with that and make sense of it? Um, those are the three big things. Yeah. They all go together. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot a lot of people our age don't know who they are necessarily and don't know where to look for identity and it's like that belonging thing and there's so much that in this world now of mass media mass consumption that i think a lot of people just find themselves confused and they don't know who they are and they don't know how to cut through all the nonsense and it i don't know if exaggerates is the right word but it highlights um this innate human need that we have to belong and to find purpose and to find meaning. So whether that's finding identity in um, your sexual identification or what kind of activities you do, like, are you into fitness? Are you into, you know, whatever. A lot of it has to do with that. I think people just want to belong and they want to find peace Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to do that. Yeah. And, you know, we've, that's when we're speaking on firsthand of, you know, we wrestle with these things too, because you see everything and 
you're able to see everything's life, everybody's life, whether it's reality or it's just what people want you to see. And there's that sense of where do I belong in this? Because I'm, there's so many things happening and I feel like I have to be a part of all of it because I see all of it. Um, yeah, I think those are huge. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was talking, you know, we talked about forward, the fear of missing out, Instagram mm-hmm. culture. Um, is it realistic to tell kids to just spend less time on their phone? Or how do you deal with it? Do you lead people to a higher rock? Um, mm-hmm. to tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, when it comes to social media and technology, Jesse's Jesse likes to highlight the positives on those things. And so I'll let her talk about that. I am <laughs> definitely more negative on things okay. like even though I participate in it, but um it's it's such an easy thing to do and mm-hmm. to you know just to sit on your phone, to log on to something else. Um to just be on it and not even be doing anything, whether you realize it or not. And I think it, it just gets to this idea of distraction. It allows us to distract ourselves. Um, and you know, sometimes maybe we just need to take a break and relax and disconnect. Um, but in the same way, social media, I think we think it connects us Mm -hmm. and this idea of FOMO or the fear of missing out. I mean, it's existed before. I mean, if I was, when I was, a little kid, if I found out a few of my friend, friends hung out together over the weekend, I would be like, oh, that's a bummer. I hope they ask me to do it next time. <laughs> but now it's like I get on the internet and I can see a picture of a guy climbing Mount Everest or something. And I see them like, man, I'm missing out on life. But what the heck? I'm not going to do that anyway, right? And I think a lot of social media and technology and internet distracts us and we're bombarded by it and it confuses us in a lot of ways. Yeah. You you give us the positives, come on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think there's a lot of truth to that of with the FOMO bit of sometimes what we're seeing is actually not what's happening. It's just a quick moment of that. Um, I also agree with Elijah saying a lot of those things of belonging falls into that, but on the other side of it is it's not going anywhere you know it's become a very big part and of people's lives and being somebody who lives so far from family um I enjoy it because I get to see like what my siblings are up to and you know be able to connect with them in that way and then see what we're up to um so I like it for that I think there's good in that I also think you know, it's not going anywhere. So how do we interact with this in a positive way? It is, everybody is on Instagram, for the, especially our age group, right? And so, you know, at Cornerstone, we talk about a lot about sharing good news with other people. And we need to be prayerful and discerning on how we best use that. So we can be sharing good news this can be a good vessel um, for the gospel if we are thinking of it that way so when it comes to like our age group or uh, kids younger than us I think it's all about having these conversations of 
you know, what do you see and, and being examples on how to use it. Um, but I think we shy away sometimes from the conversations of what Instagram is all about and what's real and what's fake and being honest with ourselves. Um, so I think we can, we have to interact with it because it's here and it's a part of culture, but we do have to be having those conversations of, and, and being discerning and examples of what's good ways to use it and look at it. Great. Okay, um, let's move on. What are you guys reading at the moment? People are always interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, currently, I am, I'm ashamed to admit this, I'm reading the Harry Potter books for the first time. <laughs> wow. I you know, read okay. before you were born. I was. They were huge growing up, and I totally missed it. And I'm ashamed to say that I'm enjoying them. Well, um, Harry Potter's an Edinburgh boy, isn't he? He was. Crazy. He is exactly. So, like, like being there, second, like, no, I have to. Jeez, I'm missing out on something. Um, so I'm reading that, and I'm currently also reading uh, Martin Luther's Bondage of the Will for the first time. Really enjoying that. Jesse laughs at me because she's like, "I'm not reading that." You can no, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't really start reading until I met Elijah. And so my uh, dive into the reading book world is still quite new. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, there's a book series that some people know called the Mitford series by an author called Kay. Jane Karen. Jane Karen. I was like, Karen. And I love those. So it's called the Mitford series. It's, very good storytelling. Anyways, so those are my go-to like light reading. But I've also started reading a book called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, um, mm. which is very, very good. So it's kind of a mix for both of us. Mm-hmm. Great. And do you ever listen to podcasts? Way too much. Ah, the silence there. I thought for a minute you said no. Elijah, what do you listen to? Obviously, Generation Podcast. Obviously, Obviously Generation Podcast. I am. I will admit that wholeheartedly <laughs> and gladly. Let me look. I'm going to look at them because again, it's way <laughs> too many to even remember. And the vast array of subjects is frankly embarrassing. Um, let's see. There is uh, for people interested in like, theology and culture. There's a podcast called Mere Fidelity that I really enjoy. Um, typically there are four hosts, two of them are American and two of them are actually um, from the UK. So you can get a little bit of both cultures there. I really enjoy that. Um, this is really nerdy. There's a podcast called the history of the English language. It's mm-hmm. fantastic and interesting, but that's not for everybody. Um, those are two podcasts right now. I really enjoy. So do you listen to them in the car or walking or like anywhere? I listen to them. In the car, I listen to them walking. I, uh, my parents currently have me mowing their lawn, so I listen to them mowing the lawn and doing um, yard work like that. So I, I really need to cut back on it, oh I'll goodness. be honest. There is no place that you don't listen to. I mean, Elijah will listen to them in the shower. So <laughs> no place that's off limits for him to listen to podcasts. <laughs> Are you a podcast person? Are you more relational? You just like hang out with people. I'm much more relational. Um, but 
I do listen, like, you know, I do listen to Generation podcasts and um, I listen to, there's one that's like what I really enjoy reading when I'm out or listening to when I'm out walking and hiking. Elijah and I really like being outdoors. So there's this podcast called The Dirtbag Diaries, which is all like outdoor adventure stories told and like by the people who have actually experienced them. So I'm, but that even is like a relational bit of like hearing people's stories. So right, it's more about like the human experience. <laughs> it just happens to be yeah. not of course. Yeah. Now, well, I'm interested. I mean, uh, as I say, you you had to go back really quickly to the US because of visa issues. And I know that at the time that was a huge disappointment. I've just come out of a meeting just now uh, about COVID, which, uh, to be frank, it was a little bit depressing because uh, a few of the, the people were, I mean, I'm pleased for them, but they were reporting unbounded positivity. You know, and the numbers in their charts were up, the money was up, everybody was thriving. It was just, you know, their story was amazing. Paradoxically, that got me a little bit down. Yeah, I know that the visa situation was a disappointment to you, but can you just, in our closing time, just the two of you reflect on that, uh, how you process the initial disappointment and how you look at it now? Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, obviously, it was a huge disappointment for us. It was crushing. And we had no idea that we would run into the issues that we did. They were totally unexpected and we got blindsided. And obviously there's this initial period of grief and mourning almost because it's what's going to happen next. We have no idea. But as time went on, we moved from grief and sadness into this real sincere longing to be back in Scotland, to be back at Cornerstone. And I don't think we would have necessarily experienced that or come to the realization that we love this place so much and we love the work and the people and love everything, you know, that generation and the free church and Cornerstone and all the gospel witnesses across the country are doing. Um, But it gave us this renewed sense of wanting to be back and wanting to um, do what the Lord has for us there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that things were always easy and we <laughs> wrestled and we struggled and, you know, days where you just wake up and I'm not where I want to be. <laughs> and that's really hard. And, but the Lord teaches us more about himself mm-hmm. in those difficult times. Um, we think of, you know, the Psalms are full of this David or whoever else is writing, crying out to God and just things are so feel so miserable and Mm -hmm. he's even thinking, God, where are you? And I think at times we definitely felt like that, but Mm -hmm. what always happens and what happens the majority of times is that in that pain and that time of struggle, even within one Psalm, he comes to the realization that God is still present and that God is good Mm -hmm. and that the circumstances don't affect God's will or his plan or his power and his love for us. Mm -hmm. I think we've learned more about, God's graciousness, God's yeah. mercy towards us and his kindness towards us yeah. um, than we ever have in a single moment. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time in the Psalms this year. 
which is very nourishing and good. And um, the theme I think that we would give this past year is we've really learned how to lament, how to say, Lord, I don't understand and I'm having a hard time, but I know who you are. And we've learned a lot about God's character um, and just studying and waiting and wrestling with our emotions and learning, you know, and having to wait. And, and that has brought us full circle to, which I'm sure we will go through again in life. And um, we all have seasons like this of, of just asking hard questions to ourselves and to other people and um, coming down to say, you know, whatever happens is in God's will and there's no better place to be. So whatever happens, it's what God intended. And that's amazing still. Um, and you know, you're going to be taken care of and loved. And so that it's been a lot of learning and a lot of grace. And we're very thankful though it's been hard for this year. I think at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Elijah and Jesse, thank you so much. Um, and I hope the folk have enjoyed listening into our conversation and maybe think about the themes that, that we've raised. If you want to know more about 83, then have a look on the web. Um, I know that Elijah and Jesse are moving on towards their funding target. This is not a fundraiser. However, if you've got a few spare dollars, then please get in touch uh, with me and I will keep it and not give it to them. No, seriously, if you, if you want to join this project, just get in touch uh, with me and we can put you in touch with Elijah and Jesse. Elijah and Jesse, thank you for our conversation and we wish you every blessing in the future.